the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond our creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God we will not be moved when the earth gives way for the an empty grave for the reason one is overcome now the silence breaks in the name of Jesus as the heavens cry let the earth respond all creation shouts with a voice of triumph to declare the reign of the Lord our God. Yeah, yeah. We will not be moved when the earth gives way. For the reason one is overcome. And for every fear, there's an empty grave. For the reason one is overcome.
are strong, you are sure, you are life, you endure, you are Always true, you are light breaking through, and you are more than enough. You are here, you are love, you are hope, you are grace. one of your pastors from the table here and here we are pre-recording for our Sunday service January 9th we had met in person last week it was so good to be together we had such a wonderful service but on Monday the health advisory team met via call um, to discuss uh, the wisdom and continuing to meet in person and after looking at the skyrocketing COVID rates and wanting to make sure we're, we are not taxing our healthcare system we made the decision under the guidance of our health advisory team to pause from in-person services for the next three weeks including tonight so our hope is that we can meet back in person on sunday night january 30th but we'll hold that loosely and just follow along as we go and we'll keep you posted you'll hear more from one of our health advisory team members uh one of the docs ben trappe right after the announcements the other thing I wanted to make sure you had on your radar is that we will have our book club meeting on Thursday, January 27th, and it'll be a Zoom call. We are reading this book, awesome book called Homegoing, um, and it is sure to just uh, bring us a great conversation and discussion. So if you haven't had a chance to jump in on one of our meetings, we encourage you to do so. Um, it's a lot of fun and uh, it's it will be a good time discussing this book for sure. If you haven't had a chance to get connected, we encourage you to do that. All you need to do is text TABLE to 33222 and you can get connected to everything that's going on along with when we need to cancel something or push the pause button. Um, so we encourage you to do that as well. And last but not least, we thank you for your continuing generosity. Um, big givers in this church and we're so grateful because not only does that help us to keep on being the church, um, in and outside of our walls, but uh, you guys were amazing when it 
with the Christmas offering. I think Maggie mentioned last week that we raised over $2,000 that goes right to ACE in the city and um, they are grateful for that as well. So glad you're with us tonight. I hope everyone's staying warm. And uh, right now here's Ben Trappe from our health advisory team. Hey everybody, I'm Ben Trappe. For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm a member of the Tables Health Advisory Team, um, and we just wanted to give you an update about what's going on with, with church, um, given the recent surge in Omicron cases um, and what our plans are for the future. Um, so we really appreciate that we have a highly vaccinated, highly responsible, um, and mass congregation. But even with all that, which has given us in the past the, the ability to continue to meet in person, we're really worried about the spread of Omicron. Already Omicron is um, overwhelming the state's ability to test. Hospitals, which were already um, swamped with patients, are um, really at risk of being overwhelmed. Um, even though uh, Omicron is, is seems to cause less severe disease. The sheer numbers of people um, being infected right now will almost certainly lead to our system being overwhelmed. And then also healthcare workers themselves are getting sick. Um, and so people were having staffing shortages. And so just knowing all of this, the church um, has always wanted to be part of the solution and not part of the problem throughout the course of this, um, the two years of this pandemic. And so we want to continue to be part of that. And so we're going to put in-person services on pause for a few weeks. We're currently planning on doing three weeks of virtual services. Um, we'll be constantly reassessing um, throughout that period and at the end of that period. And if, if it seems safe to come back at that point, we will. Um, we don't really know what safety will look like, but um, we'll, as I said, we'll be constantly reassessing and, um, and deciding what to do. Um, we really hope to be back together as soon as possible. Um, we really appreciate your understanding and um, hope to see you again really soon. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, good evening, friends. Uh, Matt Moberg here. And Lauren Moberg. And we are coming at you live from West Palm Beach before we head back home to the, I feel bad even saying to that, hell. but hopefully to by the time we Minnesota, I mean. Yeah. It'll be balmy by the time we land. Is that your leading like, hypothesis right now? Like 30 or something. Yeah, 30-ish. Um, this is going to be uh, your message for this weekend, which I'm hoping will be a coherent message. No reason to believe that it actually will be. Oh, it will be. But the idea behind it is is this: is that we thought because you know what I've been trying, I've been wanting to do this actually live in a message where we could go into a text like we typically do during a sermonic moment during a, a service, but we could open it up and kind of have some organic reactions to it and see, as our tradition says, how the spirit will lead. So I, can we do that? Context is this, is um, January 6th was a few days back. January 6th marked a lot of different things. It marked a, a year anniversary from the terroristic attack led by Christian, white Christian nationalists. Um, but it also marked the season of Epiphany and the ending of Christmas. Epiphany is this moment in the church calendar. You know, the church calendar kind of moves in like this spiritual biorhythm of sorts, but we have kind of our linchpin events that mark the seasons. You have your Christmases and your Easters, um, but then you have you have this moment in between the, the, the manger and the cross, the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is, it comes from the Greek word epiphania, and it's really about revelation. So if Christmas was about um, reception, 
Epiphany is about revelation. If Christmas is about waiting to receive the child that we call the king, then Epiphany is about um, what does it actually mean? Christmas is about the manger. Epiphany is about what's the meaning behind the whole thing. But it's bigger than that, too. Uh, in, in like ancient context, when they would use that word epiphania, I'm telling you this as if you're interested, but somebody back there is. It meant the revealing, the manifestation. It was used in the context to talk about the rising of the sun so that all of a sudden we could see. And as I've said 10,024 times to you all at different moments throughout our history together, light doesn't produce anything new. It just reveals what's been here the whole time. And so... Um, actually, you know, it's, I thought about this the other day when we were outside at the pool. So we won't talk about the warm weather here much longer. I promise you, this will just be a brief moment. Uh, but I thought about, um, you know how you get that first sniff of spring back in Minnesota after you go through these awful days of, of negative 20 degree weather. And you remember that feeling of like, oh my gosh, we made it and life is good and it's such a gift. And, and when you come out of a context like Minnesota and you step into the ocean near West Palm Beach, you're kind of reminded like life is a gift. It's not like life ceases being a gift back home, but it is like you have these moments where you're like, wait a second. It's not all grind. It's not all deficit. It's all, not all like bruises along the way. Life is good. Life is a gift. Love is the point. I'm glad that I'm here. Remind me of that when we come home tonight. <laughs> okay, so let's read the text that is kind of a classic text um, for the season of Epiphania, the season of Epiphany. This is Matthew 2, 1 through 12. 12. Lauren's going to read it in, um, actually, Lauren, could you sing it for us? No. Okay, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. <laughs> okay, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Which is a lie. I mean, that's like the first part of the story right there, right? Oh, can we pause intermittently throughout this thing and just, and you do the same, you know, if yeah. something pops up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is interesting, not that we have any familiar with people in positions of power spreading big lies because they're disturbed about what kind of political calculations would come into place now that there's a new king in the land. But he, he gives this lie to these people who the Magi context, they're Zoroastrian astrologers who have been trained and, and learned in how to actually see the stars above and read it like a newspaper print below. And so what they saw in the skies spoke to what was happening on the earth. And, and they saw the, arguably, we don't really know, they saw maybe perhaps the star of Sirius, which spoke to the birth of a prince. And that's why they're here. They came, and also not three, right? I used to get a big kick out of like, let's find this. You guys really thought there was three kings? Who cares? But if, if it was enough of a caravan to stir up the attention of the king, there was probably hundreds. Uh, there was probably a lot more than three. We only associate three because there were three gifts present at the major. Anyway, let's continue with the story. All right. 
After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Oh. What do you, do any, anything good in there? Yeah, lots. Go ahead, Florence, <laughs> yours. I don't have anything in particular to say. I, um. Obviously I do. You know, I, I talk oh, a lot. It's, what, it's, what, it's usually because of anxiety. Like, I don't deal with silence very well. I know. Well, maybe it's good to let people kind of sit in that for a second. There's a couple of things that jump out to me. And I would love to hear in the comments below. Let's engage. Let's, let's take advantage of this digital format. What jumps out in the story to you? Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking, obviously, just jumping on the plane today about going home a different way. That ending line right there. A couple of years back... I'm having this memory right now. A couple years back when we were in Florida, same spot, not here, but elsewhere in Florida. Mm -hmm. And I was in the hot tub and there was this old man in the hot tub with me. And some reason we were bantering back and forth, which is always kind of uncomfortable, especially when the bubbles stop. And it's like, what did Nate Bargatze say? You just find a, you're just taking a bath together at that point. <laughs> but um, I, this guy was like kind of trying to, uh, he was trying to pass along some like golden nuggets of wisdom on how to vacation properly and how to spend your, your time after the vacation. And he said, one of the keys to life is to take what you have experienced in vacation and implement those pieces back home. So like Just what you have, talking about breakfast. I don't recall you saying anything <laughs> about that actually. Um, but, but I do think that's kind of the aim of epiphany, right? It's not enough just to bear witness to something that is being revealed, but you also have to receive the revelation. You have to be able to take what you have witnessed, take your experience and somehow appropriate it in your own life and put it into practice and say, I love this here. I want to live this there. I want to go home a different way. There's a lot of other, when I think about the Magi, I think about how they are this, they are these mysterious figures who kind of play this archetypal role of what, um, it's almost like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey a little bit, because you have them walking out after reading um, the skies and seeing the star and they're convinced that this way here will lead us to a new hope there. There's something about that star right there that is telling us that there is a birth of new possibilities and new dreams. And I think we've all walked that road to a certain extent, but they keep going where a lot of us stop because they get to the place of power. They get to the place where they would ex where we would all expect to find a king being born and they find out there's no king being born there. There's just this, this, this Herod who is deceiving them. And I think in my life, I won't speak for yours, Lauren. But in my life, I have stepped out on things in, in faith, uh, on just a hope of seeing a star and a sense that there's more out there. And then I've gotten a rejection of some kind. And I've said, well, it wasn't meant to be. You know, like I, I thought I knew where I was going, but then I ran into this thing that came my way. And I think I'm just going to go back to what was instead of exploring further what still could be. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I think jumps out to me about the Magi, and one of the things I feel like we have been so redundant and hyper aware of right now, is the need to have this posture of adaptability. 
this need to be able to recognize that, you know, we don't really have the control that we'd like to believe, <laughs> which not to hyper on the epiphany idea any further, but when you think about the moment we're in right now and how adaptable we are recalled to be, I mean, we are here in Florida. It was kind of like this impulsive thing. We had this spot open up from a family that they just gifted it to us. And then, um, we got down here, my parents were watching my kids, my parents caught the COVID. Then they, and so they were supposed to like be passing our kids on to your parents and split the week, but they couldn't obviously do so anymore. And so they've had to like shift. And now we were supposed to be in church together and we we're supposed to be gathering physically for the rest of the month. But obviously with the spike in the recent uh, variant, we, we can't do so, at least not with in good conscience. And we're just all hyper aware that we need to be adaptable because we don't have control, which isn't a new reality. We've never had control. We, we've never had like this. We all have these ideas of how our lives are supposed to go, how it's all supposed to shake out, how, you know, we'll do this and then we'll do that and we'll go there and we'll go here. But, but ultimately, moments like the one we are in right now exposes that all of those were just fictions in our heads waiting to be exposed. They weren't actually rooted in concrete realities. They were just these, these ideas. And so when I look at this story and I think about the Magi and I think about them going to the place that they thought that they were supposed to go and then to find out it wasn't where they were supposed to go, mm -hmm. they've had to like shift in their feet. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like that's a huge, I mean, it's so relevant in the last year and a half and just that ability to kind of shift depending on what is going on. Yeah. It's huge. And I even think about with this, this is kind of a tangent, but in thinking about this piece of the story and, and the, the um, kind of prophecy that was read further up of just that out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And I was thinking, I wonder what they were thinking when they came upon a baby. And, and was there like an anticipation of this will be the ruler eventually or... Was there a disappointment there or mm. was there, I don't know, it just strikes me. Like, I wonder if that, it kind of speaks to that piece too of not, things maybe not being exactly what we thought they were going to be. And yet there can be hope in that or, or we can kind of open ourselves to what the new, different possibility might be that kind of God is revealing. But also like with that then, you know, I mean, we kind of get this idea of like, what is their reaction to the baby in the manger? We get this, this sense of, you know, we don't know their backstory. We don't know what they left to chase after this star, but there was something about when they lifted their heads to search the skies for meaning, they found a deep enough resonance in the stars that they saw that they left everything behind, family, jobs, who knows what, other opportunities uh, to go in and see about this star. And they trusted what they sensed, even if it's not really what they knew and they walked. And mm -hmm. you have this moment here where, as you're reading, I'm just struck by the fact that they arrive at the manger. And even if there is like intellectually a conflict going like that can't be a shepherd, that is a newborn who is pooping all over himself. Mm -hmm. Even if like that doesn't really, that's, that's incongruous with, with what their expectations were. Mm -hmm. There's, there's such a deep resonance that the scriptures actually let us in on. You know, I mean, it talks about how emotionally they are overwhelmed with joy. How, um, doesn't it say, yeah, physically they, they bow down and just start worshiping the child. They're moved towards generosity. They give gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
like those pieces right there. Have you ever been in the moment? This is real talk. I would love to hear some chatter in the chat about this. Have you ever been in those moments where um, you've just felt a deep resonance? You know, like just this sense of like, this is right. This is true. This is beautiful. This is good. I would love to hear what your moments have been. So much so that the text also says that the stars stopped over the manger. Now we know, um, we do know that stars don't actually stop. They're always moving. Stars don't actually come to a stop. But sometimes it feels like they do. Like sometimes you're in those places where it does feel like everything, like time is malleable. Like everything has slowed down. There's a stillness. There is a clarity. There's a sobriety. I've told you guys this story before, but I remember once um, a couple of years back when Wyatt was a baby and we were biking in the Kenny neighborhood and Wyatt, when we turned down this block, there was an ordinary mundane block, nothing that would strike you as this is like sacred ground. But we turned down this block and Wyatt started biking ahead of me and it felt like all the stars stood still. It felt like time just went and like colors burst a little bit brighter and uh, I was feeling it emotionally. I was feeling it physically. I was feeling just like the weight of how good of a gift it all really is. And it was just a moment, but that three to four seconds felt like three to four hours because it just felt like everything was waiting, like the stars actually stopped. And I, I don't know, like again, at the risk of being redundant, like what, have you had those moments where not just for, because the question still is there is like, yes, you, it's been like the, the veil has been lifted so that you can see reality, that it actually is an amazing gift getting to parent this child and watch him grow and watch him ride his bike down the road. That is an incredible gift. But the challenge and the ask and the invitation is not just to bear witness, but to walk with it after the fact. When we go down the next block, when we get back home and he's having the meltdown, when he's not wanted to eat, whatever the thing might be, you know, is how do you, how do you uh, retain the revelation mm -hmm. as you move on from the manger? Mm -hmm. And how do you, you live that out? The epiphany. The epiphany, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes me wonder, like, were there, on that particular day, were there things that helped kind of open you up to be able to to see that which was right in front of you you know like yeah. are, are there things that we can do to kind of cultivate that yeah. sense of, of epiphany you know because i would say I think, that yes right yeah i think the, the more we're well i think there's a couple things i think the more we're focused on self we don't we're we're less able to see the things around us so i, I sometimes think that self-focus and worry, anxiety, like whatever it is that can keep us from being able to see those things that are right in front of us. And then, yeah, the just the lack of present moment, like looking forward or looking back, kind of missing where we were or wanting to be where we're not. I think all of those things kind of rob us of the, the present moment and like being able to see that. Isn't it amazing to learn how so much of spiritual short practices and I don't care what religious tradition you claim, always are trying to bring you back to the present moment <laughs> like so much of it really is like the secret to all like access to any sacred space any sacred revelation any epiphany is are you actually in the place where you are mm -hmm. are, are you actually here right now with the yeah. the thing that i think is inspiring about the magi is that they do walk out 
what they just witnessed. They do, um, they trust the resonance that they experience in their body. Like it doesn't have to all make sense in your head. There is a part of faith, you know, faith is not moving on sight, it's moving on spirit. It's moving on this sense that there is more that meets the eye, that our five senses can't tell the total story. Did I say total? Total. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I like that actually, the total story. But that's what faith is. And, and so much so with the resonance that the magi who are trained and schooled in learning how to uh, read the stars, the text ends with them listening to a dream, mm -hmm. like being opened up wider to receive revelation in a different kind of medium, to trust the voice they heard when they were asleep, not just when their eyes are wide open at night. I think that's a beautiful idea. I think that's actually, you know, when you think about our, our story, I think about just, we've talked about before, um, we've talked about on this trip, even just how I just, I don't find a home at all with like uh, the um, fundamentalist, charismatic, evangelical, where it's like over the top, <laughs> that form of Christianity. But I also don't really find it in like the deconstructions, like there's a problem in everything. I think there's probably validity in both. I just personally don't resonate with that. But I do resonate with those who trust that life is more mystery than mathematics that there is more that meets the eye, that I can walk humbly so that I can be adaptable and I can trust that what I'm experiencing and seeing as true and beautiful and lovely, I can listen to that and have it open me up wider instead of close me down further. Mm -hmm. I wanna grow, you know, as Paul talks about, Paul says that every day we are getting newer and newer. As we grow older, we're getting younger. I, I think that's like part of it is, is you get less like, defensive about certitudes and more excited about mystery, about being able to participate in like the gift of life and not needing to control it and not needing it to be one particular thing, mm -hmm. but rather this, this, it's many things mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But you're a fundamentalist. Do you want to <laughs> share about that at all? <laughs> no, nothing to share. It's just making me think of this quote that I feel like, I don't know where I heard it a long time ago, but this, this idea of that, like, you know, when we plant a brand new tree, how we have to have like kind of walls around it or, or sometimes there's like stakes holding it up. But this idea of like the deeper the roots, the lower the walls and the the idea that the deeper our roots go. And so maybe that's our, our own experiences of epiphany and our kind of like leaning into um, where we feel like God is calling us and, and kind of doing our own work to explore what we believe I think then there's less need for any walls or any defensiveness yeah. because it's like I know who I am and I know I don't know we can kind of rest in that it's like it's that like perpetual voice of Jesus telling Peter put away your sword mm -hmm. you really don't need to defend me yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like Barbara Brown Taylor who says there's nothing good that you can say in when you're trying to defend God like that's just not the position that you're supposed to take. Mm -hmm. One last thing that I'm going to say that jumps out of me as I'm just reading this text right now is, does it strike you at all mm -hmm. that um, Herod obviously told a big lie? Mm -hmm. He duped them, but he, he, he also was used to send them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I, maybe I'm asking the question, I'm trying to sort through my own inventory of life mm -hmm. and, and consider yeah. just the fact that how many things that have been adversarial mm -hmm. or that I've perceived to be against me, that were actually against me, that, that were in conflict of my, of my pursuit, mm -hmm. but actually 
like Paul was right when he says, for we know in all things that God is working together. You know, he's working for good. Like even in the mess, even in the crosses, there are resurrections on the other side. Mm -hmm. Like even in the Herods, there's still this holiness awaiting you down the road. And I, I wonder if, if anyone would want to share in the chat just about, has anything blocked you, interfered with you, messed with you, that God did not wish upon you, God did not send your way, but God won't let it go to waste? This thing that happened to you, this awful thing that happened to you, this, um, this pain, what if that massive obstacle still has enough life in it where it could be turned into an opportunity? What if there's something inside of that wound that could still help you learn how to walk, that could still bring you towards uh, the epiphania, the manifestation of all things, the bringing together? I think it's like just a, a theme that kind of jumps out yeah. at me that I'm gonna probably think about now more. Man, I kind of like doing this organic reaction to doesn't it feel like there's, there's some kind of like juice inside of it? Because you kind of have to do like, does this, is there any nutritional value inside of this scripture? Mm -hmm. And Yeah. Do you think I talk too much? I think we should have people like pop on and say things. Oh, like is a feature? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, are you, cool. are you one of the pastors of the church? Or am I? <laughs> 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 like Anyways, we love you guys. I hope this has been helpful. I hope like, honestly, like we're, we don't want to step in here and try to deliver you. Remember that right down these three key points, but I would love for... This, something inside of this space to encourage you to open up a text and go like, this is not something I need to read to memorize or become robotically like trained to just hold in retention. But more so like if this is a book that breathes, what is it breathing inside of you right now? What does it have to say to you in this particular moment? Not who you should be, but who you actually are. What is the medicinal value that you might find in the pages of this text? We love you guys. Uh, it sucks that we can't be together, but um, we will soon. We are an adaptable church, and that is going to be one of our core strengths is that we are not digging in our heels, but we're staying on top of our toes, and we're able to move forward together. Mm -hmm. I, was, I should tweet that line, not yeah, digging right. in our heels and staying on top of our toes. Okay, bye. bye. that we live in these times that feel really uncertain. I mean, COVID alone in the last couple years um, reflects the reality of our lives, right? That there are times that we have to shift, that we have to reroute, that we have to hold things loosely. But one of the things I love about our Sunday nights together and this practice, this rhythm of communion, is that that's a steady, that's a constant in our life. And it's a reminder of God's faithfulness of the constant and steady presence of Jesus in our life. On the night before Jesus died, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. Took a cup and after pouring wine into that cup, he said, this is my blood shed for you. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So that's what we do. We take the bread and we dip it into the cup and we remember the steady presence of Jesus. We remember the faithfulness of God, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter how uncertain the future feels. We have that. Great is thy faithfulness. We hang tightly to that.
So as you take your bread or cracker and you dip it into your cup, hear these words. The body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. If you can, stand. And together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's worship together.
No matter who you are. No matter who you are. No matter who you are or what you've done. Who you love. Who you love. No matter who you love or what you've lost. Where you've gone or where you've stayed. Where you've gone or where you've stayed. Where you've gone or the places that you've stayed. There's a seat for you. There is a seat for you. There's 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 a seat for you at the table. Know that there will always be a seat here for you at the table because you are a beloved child of God. And beloved, you belong. You belong. You belong. Beloved, you belong. Beloved, you belong. You always have a place at the table because you are a beloved child of God and you belong.